It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. I'm Eric Harley. Gary McNamara has the morning off. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll hear from New York Governor Cuomo and what he is saying about what they need right now. Uh, it's a, a crucial situation there in the state of New York, which right now is our nation's hotspot. If you look at the Johns Hopkins map right now and getting some information, some updated information on the global scale, uh, we, we saw, of course, as we do every day, a fairly decent increase in the numbers of uh, COVID-19 cases out there, total confirmed right now globally, uh, just over a million, a million, 16,534 again, according to Johns Hopkins. And we see the uh, total number of deaths again globally, 53,164. And the total recovered, 211,856. So I think we can probably step back a little bit, and I think it's healthy to do this, not that we want to uh, undermine anything that's being uh, directed our way by people like Dr. Fauci or anyone else, uh, but I think we do have to put things into perspective. We are a global community of almost 7.8 billion people, and right now the total number of confirmed is just over a million. The total number of deaths, 53,164, and the total recovered completely recovered from COVID-19, 211,856. Uh, so when you look at the, again, the big picture here, uh, the question is how rapidly will it spread and will we see those death tolls rise? According to Dr. Fauci, who, was, who appeared on CNN last night, Thursday evening, uh, with Anderson Cooper, he said it would be natural to see, in fact, in in a pandemic like this, you typically do uh, see one of the, I guess, the last things to taper off is the number of deaths. And we'll play that audio for you coming up here in just a few minutes. Um, let's hear from Governor Cuomo, in fact, on what's going on right now with equipment there in New York and what he is dealing with. These ventilators are very, it's very simple. A person comes into the ICU unit, they need the ventilator or they die. It's that basic a proposition. We have about six days at the current burn rate of ventilators. All right. So that's a crucial problem. Uh, There had been some debate back and forth as to what models were showing what and and how many critical patients there would be, especially to the extent of and that's the most critical them needing a ventilator. Uh, That is something that is very uh, that, that that has been back and forth and they couldn't get a, I guess, a handle on the prediction uh, models for that equipment, although I think we all pretty much gathered from it as laymen outside the medical community uh, when you had companies like GM and Elon Musk and his company uh, deciding to uh, and volunteering early on to turn over their production facilities to make ventilators. When you started seeing that, it, it came from, again, this uh, this idea that we were going to run short in in that regard. And that's what you're seeing, at least in New York. Keep in mind, New York is the hotspot. So they're seeing a great number of cases. And the more cases you have, the more the virus spreads. 
And, of course, we see an increase in the the spread of the virus there in New York State, it being the hot spot at a, at a fairly significant pace. So beyond that, then what can be done? And right, right now, everything is being, uh, all efforts on state level and federal level, is to ramp up production and make available the the ventilators and the masks and all the other medical equipment. Um, and you had the New Jersey governor, in fact, we'll hear from him as well, issue an order on Thursday that allows, it, it gives authorization to the state police in New Jersey to go into businesses that have this equipment and commandeer that equipment. Uh, your thoughts on that, 866-90-RED. I will hear from the governor of New Jersey coming up as well. So if you want to get on board, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, note uh, here on the personal side of things here at Red Eye Radio, Gary is out this morning, mourning the loss of his mother, who passed yesterday morning. Uh, she had been in the hospital for a number of days, and the prognosis became worse as, as things went along. And they, uh, Gary had reached out to me yesterday. They were expecting her to pass for a few days. And uh, he reached out to me yesterday morning and, and said she had passed. Now, he... he insisted on being here over the past couple of nights even because he couldn't be there. He couldn't be in New York because uh, there's there's travel restrictions. And, of course, there's also visitation restrictions in hospital. By the way, her illness not related to COVID, just to be clear. And so he could not travel to see her. Uh, but through, of course, ma- modern technology, he was able to be with her on, on video conference. They were FaceTiming, and he was able to spend at least some time virtually with her and she could hear his voice it was very clear that she could hear his voice uh in her final moments and i you know we've been partners for almost 15 years here on this program and we've become family and like everybody else who works here and other offices and businesses around this country and the world um you you become family when you work for together for any significant period of time and so we feel that loss for Gary this morning and his family. Um, he is not able to travel for any kind of service right now. And the services, of course, if you've had a death in your family, and I have in recent days, you know that the services are also limited on most every local level. There can only be a few people, if any, in fact. And there are great restrictions, which is uh, unfortunate. It is, it is tragic that family members cannot. Uh, pay their proper respects, but we do know that Gary's family is planning a memorial service for after the travel restrictions are lifted and he is able to be there and spend some time with his father and his family. They will have a memorial service and share memories of his mother. Uh, Gary has been a, a great son to them. I've witnessed that over the years. Every, not just every vacation, but Easter, Mother's Day weekend, and then other weekends, you know, if we get a three-day weekend, he'll go see his parents. It's once a month. He flies from Texas to New York, and it's only to see his parents. He's never actually taken a vacation. He's gone to hang out with friends on a three-day weekend, but never really taken a vacation. He's insisted on spending every moment he could with his parents. And I know that he takes peace in that, in that he was spending a lot of time with his mom. They had a great relationship. He shared that with me. And she was proud to be his mother. I know that. And he was proud to be her son. I know that for sure. And so 
we greatly appreciate all of the condolences being sent to us via email and social media. Uh, we greatly thank you for being there in support of our colleague and our family member, Gary McNamara. He's going to be back with us soon. Uh, we spoke after his mom passed a couple hours after she passed on Thursday morning. And he said, I don't know how much rest I'm going to get today. I said, whoa, stop. We're making the decision right now. You, you're not coming in tonight. You got to, this is a time to grieve and rest. And uh, as you can imagine, the past several days for him has been fairly hectic, and he's shown up every time. He's been here. Uh, he takes a great joy, like, like I do and many do, in their jobs. And this was, he couldn't, since he couldn't be there, he would like to be here. And, um, and I sometimes share that sentiment. I haven't been through what he's going through now, but I do know that uh, he greatly gets, uh, a, a, gets a great benefit from being here every single night and and putting on what we put on every night a uh, you know a, a, what we aim to do is put on an informative program that's also entertaining and we know that in a time like this we're not just informative we can be a companion piece and we greatly appreciate everybody that's in our audience our thoughts and prayers are with Gary and his family during this time as they grieve uh, the loss of Gary's mother and uh, we will certainly uh, look forward to having Gary back here on the show, having him share some thoughts and, and getting back to, of course, everything that's going on right now in the world. And, well, there's at least a few things going on right now. The whole coronavirus thing. What was the theme of the White House presser on Thursday evening? Uh, basically, cover your mouth. And whether it's a mask, if you have one, or even a scarf. A scarf? The president suggested that. People were mocking him after the presser. But where did that come from? Well, I have one possible answer coming up here in just a few minutes. And if you want to join us, we do have an open line. 866-90-RED-EYE. Cold weather takes a toll on trucks. As warmer weather rolls in, it's time to assess the impact winter has had on your vehicle before you find yourself stranded roadside this spring. If you're experiencing sluggish cranking, start your spring maintenance routine by having your electrical system tested by a professional technician. Your batteries, alternator, and starter have been working overtime to keep up with cold starts and thick oil during winter. Continuing to crank a vehicle with low voltage will lead to more damage and downtime later on. Big rigs are big investments. Take care of yours now to help avoid downtime later and keep rolling through to the next winter. If you experience any sluggishness during cranking, stop into a TA truck service shop to have our expert technicians perform a comprehensive electrical system test for you today. This maintenance tip is brought to you by TA Truck Service. More bays, more expertise, more solutions. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Eric Hartley. Gary McNamara is off this morning. 866-90-RED-EYE if you want to join us. We heard from Governor Cuomo a little while ago about the shortage and that they're running out of medical equipment. And Governor Cuomo was asked why he believes that is happening. He tries to explain This here. state had purchased 17,000 ventilators, more than any other state in the nation. Uh, and they never got delivered. 
because they're all coming from China and 50 states are competing. And my, I suspect that it's been a bidding war and uh, the highest order won. All right. So there you go. Again, it's maybe not that overall there isn't a shortage of masks. It's just that they're running out there uh, very quickly in the hot spot, which is the state of New York. And the president spoke as well, uh, talking about, um, in fact, he was asked at the presser if there will be rules, mandatory rules about masks. I don't think they'll be mandatory because some people don't want to do that. But uh, if people wanted, as an example on the masks, if people wanted to wear them, they can. If people wanted to use scarves, which they have, many people have them. And he, that, which is, this is interesting um, because <laughs> when he mentioned that on social media, that uh, there was a ton of reaction. And they were, you know, people were questioning, well, why would, why would he say scarves? They're not going to be as good as masks. Well, let's, let's step back a minute. First of all, he's a layman. But it also comes from something real. There was a letter sent to uh, the White House, and this happened on, um, this happened uh, night before last. It was uh, Wednesday evening. And it was basically a letter uh, from medical experts and scientists saying uh, that they believe that this virus is airborne, which, by the way, we've heard before, but also that there would be uh, recommendations. It's okay to cover up with anything that you have, whether it's a scarf, whether it's a bandana or whatever it might be. In fact, one of those scientists saying himself that he would be he may not have a mask available. Surgery masks need to be saved for the medical community, okay, to be clear. But if you have a scarf, that's fine. You can cover up with that. The point is, is that we've been told through a number of studies and experts that have been sharing information that it's airborne because the water droplets can become airborne, right? And whether it's you're coughing, sneezing, even just breathing, there can be water, water droplets coming from that. And, and the virus can spread. Well, basically the whole theme, it seemed, on Thursday night at the presser was cover your mouth. But I found it interesting that so many people, of course, it's not surprising, still want to mock President Trump because they're trying to make it sound like he thinks he's a medical expert. And he's not. Uh, but, but it came from something real, advice given to the White House, uh, not even 48 hours ago uh, in, in a letter just saying, look, this could be airborne. It could come from just breathing, not just coughing and sneezing. And again, that's a theory. So best practice, cover up. And if you don't have a mask, use what you have. And it's common sense. I don't even know why we're still having this conversation, why we have to deal with these children in the media and social media, but we do. It's unfortunate. 866 866- 90 red eye if you want to get on board let's go to glenn in michigan glenn you're on good morning good morning eric um god bless gary's mother uh the closest thing to jesus christ on earth to me it was my mom Mm -hmm. and and you know there's no making up for the sorrow they're going through so god bless their whole family thank you and uh And nothing can can change the reality of it is. But the the truth is, life goes on, and because of our moms, um, if we're lucky, and I was, and, and uh, you know, they lived through us. But 
Those are just words right now, you know. It's a numbingness. Actually, I called because um, I love the show, by the way. Thank you. Um, But but I hadn't done my taxes for 2019 or 18 because I've been out of work. Mm -hmm. I, I had surgery and had some other things go on. And, and then I found out about this, you know, um, the funding that's coming that you had to have your taxes done. Mm -hmm. And I found out some other things through my tax preparation man and my accountant that you can get it. Uh, you got to have a bank account first of all, right? They're, they're not they're not giving out checks, yes. but you can eventually get it. But to get it the quickest, the stimulus, you have to have 18 and 19, one of those two done. Yeah. And right. it, and uh, so I went and, and did that, um, and I, I'm glad I did. I feel better. My taxes are done anyways. But, um, but I, you know, me not working, not making any income right now, I was like, okay, why do I do my taxes? Well, for this reason, if you want to get it as quick as possible, you, you have to have those two things in place. You'll eventually get it, but yeah, right, right. right now we need the stimulus. Is, it, is that your understanding as well? Uh, yeah, in terms of uh, the, the protocol, if you didn't file and you normally do, then yes, you need to file. However, it was Wednesday, late Wednesday night. The president, uh, through executive order, gave authority to the Treasury Department uh, to uh, go ahead and do transfers for people that are just living on, on just on Social Security, which means they many of them don't file a tax return each year. And you would not have to file a tax return if you're only getting Social Security. Thank you for the call. Uh, but that was uh, conveyed by Secretary Mnuchin at the press event on Thursday evening. And he said that the president, again, through an order, uh, made it clear. And because there was a lot of, I guess, uh, there were a lot of news stories that basically stated uh, throughout the day, uh, over the last couple of days, that if you only collected Social Security and you have not filed your tax returns in years, which many people don't because it's not taxable, then you would need to file one for 2019, even though it's zero sum. Well, that changed again through an executive order. And the if you're collecting only Social Security, you will not need to file a 2019. Now, if you normally do file and you had income, then that's a different story. But you're definitely going to have to get caught up there. And uh, at least 2018 and 20, uh, at least 2019, if not 2018. But again, I would talk to a tax accountant there or Go to irs.gov for more information. There's a lot of very fluid information here. I don't want to steer you in the wrong direction. There are experts out there to help you there. But we appreciate the call and the sentiment for Gary. Thank you. 866-90-RED-EYE. If you want to get on board, uh, we'll hear more from uh, Dr. Fauci coming up here in just a bit. And some, I guess, alarming thoughts from him for many of us laymen of, of, of what could happen, what we should expect on the death rate coming up. Your calls on the way to 866-90-RED-EYE.
The Bonus Show. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Eric Harley. Gary McNamara is off this morning. Uh, he and his family are grieving the loss of his mom who passed away yesterday morning. Uh, not related to COVID, uh, but she had been ill for a number of days and been in the hospital. And the uh, prognosis had become grim in recent days. And Gary is uh, this morning grieving. He cannot travel to be with his family in New York uh, at this time because of travel restrictions. But he's going to be back with us soon. And at some later date, uh, he and his family are going to gather for a memorial service uh, for his mother. Our thoughts and prayers are with Gary, his father, John, and the entire McNamara family this morning as they grieve the loss of his mother. Uh, Let's hear from Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, He is ever-present there on the stage during the press events at the White House, uh, part of, of course, the task force dealing with the coronavirus. And he also appears in the media. I don't know when the guy sleeps, but he's always on on television or on the radio and doing interviews. And Dr. Anthony Fauci here talking about what we should expect in terms of the trends and, and what's going on. Because people asking questions, well, we've been sheltered in place for two or three weeks now. Why aren't we seeing a decline in the statistics? the statistics when it comes to the spread of the virus or deaths. And here's what he had to say. So even when you suppress or stabilize the number of new infections, it's still going to take a while before you see a decrease in hospitalizations, a decrease in intensive care and a decrease in deaths. And in fact, deaths are the last thing that lag. So you could be doing well and having a good effect on mitigation and still see the deaths go up. A guarantee that's exactly what's going to happen in New York City. All right. Dr. Fauci also had some comments on the virus being airborne. And I think that's one of the things that's putting a red flag for people. Why people who are completely asymptomatic, not coughing, not sneezing, we know now are transmitting the virus, which brings up a number of issues. And one of the issues, in fact, was the theme of the the, uh, White House press conference on Thursday evening was really wear a mask. Here's what Dr. Fauci says about that. We say six feet away from each other. But when you go out for food, you go out to the pharmacy, there's going to be times when, you know, unwittingly, you're going to be closer than that. And given the fact that we know that asymptomatic people are clearly transmitting infection, it just makes common sense. You know, when he was on uh, CNN, Dr. Fauci, it was Thursday evening. He also touched on the the states and what they should be doing, because the question basically came up of, you know, what do you think the state policies should be? I'm paraphrasing there. And he said something pretty strong. Let's hear what he said on Anderson Cooper last night, Dr. Fauci. I don't understand why that's not happening. As you said, you know, the tension between federally mandated versus states' rights to do what they want is something I don't want to get into. But if you look at what's going on in this country, I just don't understand why we're not doing that. We really should be. All right. And that would be the that in that scenario is a lockdown. Stay at home orders in every state. As he just kind of uh, skirted the idea, didn't want to get into the discussion of states' rights and everything else, uh, whether there should be a federal mandate versus state mandates, he's really scratching his head as to why we don't have more stay-at-home orders, uh, more lockdowns in place uh, in every state. Uh, some states are stricter than others, and we've I, I'm guessing, based on that comment, 
based on what you just heard, you're probably going to see those that those states that don't have the strictest orders revise theirs. Dr. Fauci is highly regarded. He's been really, if you think about it, uh, ever present in this whole scenario, and he's well respected by by many people, even in the media. I mean, given the, the fact that he shares the stage with Donald Trump every night has really not tarnished Dr. Fauci's integrity at all. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite. The media knows this. This guy knows what he's talking about. If he's issued a concern in terms of practice and what state governments are doing, bet your bottom dollar you're going to hear from more states today. And the ones you've heard from might even tighten their policies. They might revise them very, very soon. I'm expecting some to come down uh, later today and over the weekend based on what we're seeing. Um, The governor of New York, Governor Cuomo, saying that there's a shortage of ventilators and medical equipment there in his state. And he says he believes it's due to a bidding war. Nonetheless, he says they have about six days worth of ventilators left in New York. All of this is going to send a lot of the other governors again into more of, I'm not going to use the word panic, but emergency mode. And you can bet wherever you are, there's probably going to be either more local announcements or state announcements um, in, in the coming days. And it will be based on what you're hearing from Dr. Fauci, from Governor Cuomo and others. 866-90-RED-EYE. If you would like to uh, get on, we would love to hear from you. 866-90-RED-EYE. As we go to uh, Wesley. Wesley is in Brooklyn. Wesley, good morning. How are you? Hey, how are you, sir? Doing great. Welcome. I'm I'm very good. I just took you out of the speakerphone. I I hope you can hear me well. I can. Thank you. Excellent. Good morning or good evening, whatever it is to you, sir. And I hope Gary is in my prayers and thoughts this evening. Thank you. Thank you, too, sir. Um, what is your listening capacity uh, to, sir, because I have a sanitation issue that I wish you to describe. Sure. Go ahead. Um, I, I was well. I, I have a. I um. My main point that I wanted to get out is I have a um a hand pump, and I have a squirt bottle, and I have a couple other squirt bottles that I gather together, and I put rubbing alcohol and um, peroxide, mm-hmm. and you could put a bleach. Con- you know, I I don't know what the plastic, how the plastic containers hold with mm-hmm. these cheap items, but it, these four things are the four things that kill the the, the virus. Hmm. Well, I, here's what I would say in, in response to that. Um, you know, you're, uh, I would say, first of all, be safe. Read the directions on any products that you're going to use and know what they are for and what they're not for. And beyond that, I think rule number one, and we heard Dr. Burks say this on Thursday night at the press event at the White House, wash your hands, Right. I know you can't always do that, but do your best to wash your hands anywhere you go. Uh, There is a shortage on the gel, uh, but it is, again, (laughs) I would caution making your own concoction. Uh, Again, read the the instructions very carefully, 866-90-RED-EYE. If you want to get on board, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we'll, We'll talk more about, again, what the state governments and local governments are doing in Dallas County 
Uh, we had uh, Judge Clay Jenkins uh, take to task the company Michaels, you know, the, the arts and crafts store, right, where you go and get things for arts and crafts. And right now, I mean, we're just days away from Easter Sunday. And a lot of people are looking to celebrate that holiday. Are they, is a business like a Michaels, uh, should they be, are they, are they a critical role given the fact that in that same jurisdiction, liquor stores are open? So liquor stores can be open, which is about what? Uh, calming your nerves, people will tell you, or to the bigger point, morale, right? Um, that's why many locales have allowed liquor stores to stay open. Because you're going to be cooped up at home, you might as well be able to get a buzz. Well, isn't the same principle in effect there if you're talking about, I don't know, arts and crafts, whether you're just decorating or whether you're creating something, if you're sheltered in place? Isn't that about morale? I mean, we're, we're having some really interesting discussions about what should be a, a crucial role, a, a critical role, what businesses should be open and not open. And I've seen different practices, by the way, by, by different stores, and it depends on which area you're in and how they are governed, but it also depends on their own policy. Some stores decided a couple of weeks ago before policy was in place to limit the number of people in their stores to 10, and they count them as they go. You have to stand in line just to get through the door. Forget about standing in line at the register. So that's in place on a voluntary level, I think, in many areas where it's not already governed. But then we talk about, all right, what what should you have access to? Um, what serves as great morale? Uh, you know, one of the things that, that we have learned is that, and I I've, I had a, a good friend pass away a couple days ago, and a couple of weeks ago I had a, a family member pass away. And as they were both hospitalized during this, as Gary's mother was in recent days, visitation was limited, and in recent days, in fact, no one could go in that wasn't part of the medical team. And so the point is, is that visitations from family members, spouses, is about morale. But, of course, in that case, it is much better to, because the risk it, it outweighs the benefit of the morale. We all see that. But you do the balance on these ordinances and these judges' orders that are in place right now, and we're going to have a lot of questions going forward. I suspect, in fact, we're going to have a lot of legal challenges going forward. Uh, the governor of Texas, a couple of days ago, issued an order, Greg Abbott, and it supersedes a lot of the uh, county uh, 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 orders that are in place, but it also mimics many of them too. I mean, many items that are on the judge's or on the governor's order mimics what, what has gone in place right now, and it's based on what we know about the spread of the virus. One of the exemptions in Governor Abbott's order in Texas was religious gatherings. I'm kind of mixed on that. I think really the churches should, should take the lead. It's probably a better idea uh, that, and again, I don't run a church, but I would say it's a better idea, generally speaking. Let's do a uh, a stream. Every every church just about is equipment is equipped with a cam. If not, they can they can go online very quickly, even with just a cell phone. 
And those pastors, those priests, those ministers can make themselves available to their congregation. And I understand it's not the same thing. But I also understand that we're dealing with something that we have a ton of questions about and we can't get the answers to, even those that are working on it directly don't have all the answers. So, again, the policy that's that's coming out from people who have control over your lives, there's a lot of discussion about that of what is, what should be allowed, what shouldn't be allowed. And I think when you look at the, again, the equation of, a, okay, a liquor store being open, that's okay, you can have a beer, all right, but you can't go get other things for morale. Um, we can have that discussion if you want to jump on board and get in on that, 866-90-RED-EYE. Again, we do have an open line, 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Eric Carley. Gary McNamara is off. He's back with us soon. 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. If you want to join us, uh, let's go to you as we go to Greg in Arizona. Greg, you're on. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my comment is twofold. Yeah. One is that my grandfather, I'm a CDL driver. Uh, I deliver aircraft tires and brakes for the aircraft industry. Um my grandfather told me when he was a truck driver back in the 60s that they were, we were once known as the Knights uh, the, uh, of the Road. Mm-hmm. And speaking to a lot of the old school drivers today, they admit that that's kind of been lost. But I've noticed in the last three weeks that the interaction while driving mm-hmm. between the drivers and also four-wheelers yeah. is that we're flashing lights. Yep. We're, we're just, it, it's just a lot more easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The second premise of my call is that when I go into a fueling station, I've always worn surgical gloves, but they're actually a work glove and they're a lot thicker right. to fuel. Right. And so I'm used to them. I wear a mask and gloves when I go into the fueling station and I'm noticing only about 20% of the drivers are wearing them. Mm. And I think that we should be really, really concerned about that because we're more apt and probable to bring something across state lines than any other industry. Uh, when I get back into my truck, I was using a lot of spray to spray all these things. And I said, you know what? There's only two things I need to really spray. Hmm. My gloves hmm. and my shoes, the hmm. bottom of my shoes. So in my door, I carry, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Lysol and a hand sanitizer. Okay. And when I open up the door, I immediately spray the bottom of my shoes yeah. and I spray my gloves. And then when they dry, I kind of sit there for a moment, let them dry out. Well, I take off the gloves. Yeah. It's it's great practice there, Greg. I'll tell you right this: they're uh, hearing from Dr. Fauci not just during the press conference on Thursday night, but also hearing from him on CNN. And thank you for the call. Uh, that's that's basically what he was saying. You've got to you know wear the mask if you've got one, or cover your mouth any way that you can, and practice safely. But for traveling across state lines, I think you make a good point. Maybe be extra diligent.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Pilot Flying J Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Hello and good morning. I'm Eric Harley. Gary McNamara is off this morning, 866-90-RED-EYE. If you want to join us, it is the bonus show, 866-907-3339. We do have an open line. Love to hear from you on everything going on. Uh, the coronavirus really is the story. It's the only story with, of course, lots of uh, local and state and government reaction in terms of policies. Are we going to see more of that? And where will the next hot spots be? Right now it's New York State. Um, but first, um, and coming up, by the way, we'll hear from the president. We'll hear from Dr. Deborah Burks. Uh, we'll hear from Dr. Anthony Fauci and uh, others uh, on COVID and, and their advice and what they would like to see in place. And again, uh, this is all good advice, as we'll share it with you in just a moment. Our friend and colleague and family member, Gary McNamara, out this morning. He is mourning the death of his mother, who passed away yesterday morning. Our thoughts and prayers with Gary, his dad, John, and the family. Uh, the McNamaras have been very, very close over the years. I've uh, come to know Gary. We've going on 15 years together as a team here on the air, and we love what we do. And as you can imagine, we grow very close, all of our crew, uh, very close, and we care deeply for each other, and we grieve when they grieve. So we've known for a number of days uh, behind the scenes that Gary's mother was in grave condition. It is not related to COVID-19, to be clear, but... Uh, there was there were limitations uh, uh, in terms of visitations, and Gary was not able to travel to be with her, even if he could do that. The hospital itself in recent days had put very strict restrictions, and uh, no no visitors were allowed in her room. Um, again, uh, this is protocol in in most, if not all, hospitals right now, and I know it's frustrating for family members, but thanks to uh, the uh, the, the technology, uh, then that technology allowed Gary to speak with his mother and, and, and do some FaceTiming and he could, he could see her and in, in her final, final moments. And he spent some, some, uh, really great moments he shared with me, uh, talking with her in the last few days as it became critical and it was inevitable. She was not going to survive. They did allow other family members to come in one by one. And that allowed a family member to hold a phone so he could see his mother. Uh, and it was, a again, a heartbreaking situation to go through with a colleague. When you do that, uh, when you witness that and you know they're going through heartbreak again, when a family member grieves, then you grieve with them. And uh, we certainly keep Gary in our thoughts and prayers, his family in our thoughts and prayers. Uh, it's been a very, very tough time, and he's been showing up every night. Uh, but he's also been showing up for years for his parents, and, and he visits them every vacation. He doesn't go on vacation. He's never taken one. He's taken a three-day weekend to go see friends, but that's rare even. Uh, Easter weekend, um, it, it, Mother's Day weekend, Father's Day weekend, and every vacation once a month, about just about once a month, Gary is in New York visiting his family. And so that dedication uh, certainly I know was appreciated by his mother, it is appreciated by his father, John, 
And it's something that I think is admirable uh, because he made every effort. There was never going to be any other way. He was going to see his parents every chance he got, and he did. And so, again, our thoughts and prayers are with Gary, and he will be back with us soon, very soon here on the program. Your calls at 866-90-RED-EYE. Well, the theme at the White House yesterday seemed to be everybody put a mask on, cover up, right? Um, let's hear from Dr. Deborah Burks. Uh, Dr. Burks is talking about, you know, even if you have a mask available, you know, there are other practices that you need to have in your personal, uh, whatever you're going to do that day in any given scenario. And she talks about those practices. The most important thing is the social distancing and washing your hands. And we don't want people to get an artificial sense of protection because they're behind a mask. Because if they're touching things, remember, your eyes are not in the mask. So if you're touching things and then touching your eyes, you're exposing yourself in the same way. All right. That's Dr. Deborah Burks there. Let's hear from Dr. Anthony Fauci. And he talks about wearing masks as well. We say six feet away from each other. But when you go out for food, or you go out to the pharmacy, there's going to be times when, you know, unwittingly, you're going to be closer than that. And given the fact that we know that asymptomatic people are clearly transmitting infection, it just makes common sense. Just makes common sense to wear that mask. By the way, that was his appearance on CNN. He was on with Anderson, Anderson Cooper on Thursday evening and talking about a number of things. In fact, um, he he talks about his frustration as to why more states don't have stricter uh, orders in place, lockdown orders. He's frustrated about that. Dr. Fauci here. I don't understand why that's not happening. As you said, you know, the tension between federally mandated versus states' rights to do what they want is something I don't want to get into. But if you look at what's going on in this country, I just don't understand why we're not doing that. We really should be. All right. And, and part of that comes from the concern um, right now that the, the virus is airborne. Dr. Fauci, again, on CNN, talking about that aspect and the viability of this virus. And I think that's one of the things that's putting a red flag for people. Why people who are completely asymptomatic, not coughing, not sneezing, we know now are transmitting the virus, which brings up a number of issues. All right. So, again, uh, as we learn more every day as they learn more every day uh it has become again a i I think a a great concern for many people i think in our in our personal lives it's instinctual that we limit our exposure to other people but if you are in one of those critical roles and one of those crucial roles essential roles as they call them in society and that's everyone from healthcare workers to law enforcement and first responders, to people who work at grocery stores and uh, and and restaurants that are still serving takeout, uh, providing food, prepared food, and everything else, uh, we are, again, uh, taking precautions because there is that risk of that exposure. And I, sus- I suspect that with, with the comments from Anthony, uh, Dr. Fauci, on CNN last night that we're probably going to see more states react. Uh, you're going to probably have them tightening their codes even more. And the public is, the, if, you, if you're 
paying attention at all on social media, the sentiment seems to be frustration. People are, it's not just cabin fever. They want access to certain things. Many people want to go back to work, which isn't going to happen. A lot of that's being driven by private sector policy, by the way, not just the government policies in place. But it is right now, I think, that growing frustration that I talked about a couple of weeks ago, that it was inevitable that if you limit the access, if you limit the freedom of people, even during a pandemic, there's going to be a building frustration. Then you add to it the numbers that are hitting on the financial side. We saw the report yesterday, what, just the weekly claims on unemployment, 6.6 million. And the unemployment numbers are for March are scheduled to come out this morning. I'm, I, I'm guessing they're going to adhere to that. I believe they are. Um, let's see here. Uh, all right. Mm, yes. All right. So that will happen this morning at 830 Eastern. The unemployment numbers for March. I'm not sure I even want to see that. I really don't know that I want to see that because there's going to be that cliff event. Early March is one thing, but it's going to be a, a, a steep fall off of people that were employed during March and now are on the empl- unemployment rolls. Then we get into the stimulus thing, the, the whole relief package. And we'll hear, by the way, from uh, Secretary Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, as to when you should expect that money to hit accounts. Uh, we'll, we'll do that here in just a bit. But the fact of the matter is the discussion is still going back and forth because there's likely going to be a fourth package. Most people believe that because we're not going to solve this over the next three weeks. People aren't going to be back at work over the next three weeks. It's not going to happen. The economy's not going to rebound over the next three weeks. So the question becomes, beyond that 1200 per adult and 500 per child, the unemployment from the federal level, 600 a week. And if you pair that with state benefits, for some, that means they're making more to stay home. And when we're ready to go back, will people be willing to go back? Companies will need people when they reopen. And there was a really tight labor market before all this hit, which meant wages were on the rise. That's a good thing. But when you look at a situation that where where we go in and, well, we lawmakers go in and try and solve the problem with a bunch of money, how much is too much money? We'll all say, well, yes, that's too much spending until it hits our bank accounts, right? And then all of a sudden you got a four-month vacation. Thank you, federal government. Well, it becomes an issue when you start talking about the fourth package, which they will start likely in a matter of days. I'm guessing after Easter they're going to start ramping up the discussions, the ideas as to what might be done. Mitch McConnell the other day saying the Senate Majority Leader saying, well, we're not going to be, you know, discussing that now. Well, you will be. That will happen. It will happen post-Easter, if not sooner, but I, I suspect probably somewhere around the 15th or later. And then they'll get together on another spending package. And it likely would extend those federal unemployment benefits beyond July 31st. 
And do they give another 1200 to each adult 500 per child? Again, we're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars per family. And here's a question. What about the families who, where no one is unemployed? They're still working. Maybe they're working from home, but they're still employed. They're not unemployed. Do they get the, should they get the 1200 and 500 per child if they haven't been affected directly by COVID-19? If there's no diagnosis in the family, in the household, if they haven't been limited and they're still earning the same that they earned before, should they get that money? And that will be one of the questions when they're trying to formulate a, formulate a plan for stimulus four, which again is coming. It's on the way. It's inevitable. They're going to they're going to do that. We're just weeks away and it it's going to go, I think, fairly quickly. And we'll see what kind of spending is is attached to it. Does does the president get two trillion added on to whatever how many trillions they're going to spend again for just infrastructure? Remember, when he floated infrastructure just the other day, just that part alone was two trillion. Well, you can bet Congress is going to spend another $2 trillion at least on this next package. I hope I'm wrong, by the way. I hope we don't spend that kind of money. I hope we spend smart money. Let's give it to those who actually need it without giving them an incentive to stay at home because they're making more off the federal dole than they made at work. 866-90-RED-EYE if you want to join us. Uh, Coming up, uh, we've uh, been paying tribute this morning to the trucking industry and those who support those companies that are in the supportive role of the trucking industry. America's drivers are getting the job done right now and are, you talk about an essential role. They're a critical role, just like those in the healthcare industry right now, in getting us everything that we need as we shelter in place. And we'll hear from a longtime sponsor of the program and how they're recognizing many in the trucking industry with a new initiative from them. A little bit of positive news to throw in this morning on this Friday as we head into a weekend. And your call's coming up. 866-90-RED-EYE. Kitchen sponges are supposed to be replaced regularly, right? We know people are at home and sheltering at home. And you may not be able to go out and buy new sponges. Manan Sharma with USDA's Agricultural Research Service has suggestions on how to kill bad microorganisms and prolong the life of your sponge. We definitely recommend that you change your sponge. But if you need your sponge to last a little bit longer, I would certainly recommend putting it in a dishwasher or a microwave. He says there are two main things to keep in mind if you want to put a kitchen sponge in the microwave. Just make sure the sponge is wet. And also that it doesn't have any metal. You know, putting metal in a microwave is a very dangerous thing. It can lead to sparking and fires. And we did get some feedback that people had done that, which we're really sorry because, you know, we don't want anybody to get hurt in this process. Or you can do as he does. At least in our house, because we're forgetful sometimes. It's easier for us to throw it in the dishwasher. This is Stephanie Ho for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It 
It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Eric Harley. Gary McNamara is out. He is back soon. 866-90-RED-EYE. In the state of New York, uh, they call that the hotspot, of course, where we're seeing a great rise in the number of cases. And, of course, uh, out of all the states, they have the most. Uh, Governor Cuomo talking about uh, that they are limited in terms of their ventilators. And he spoke about that. In fact, here is Governor Cuomo. These ventilators are very, it's very simple. A person comes into the ICU unit. They need the ventilator or they die. It's that basic a proposition. We have about six days at the current burn rate of ventilators. All right. And he talks about what if they get to a point where they're running low on ventilators. Here again is Governor Cuomo. We're going to move to splitting of ventilators where there's a protocol. One ventilator can handle two tubes, two patients. We're going to use BiPAP machines and retrofit BiPAP machines. We're using the anesthesia machines uh, as ventilators. We've canceled all the non-elective surgery. All right. So there you have it. Uh, it is a, uh, and by the way, I think that's the case in, in many, I don't know if it's every state statewide, but certainly many jurisdictions across the country that elective surgeries are just, uh, they're, they're just out. Um, they're not being performed. A lot of that has to do not just with the fact that, uh, uh, it is not necessary, but it's the fact that there is, of course, uh, the risk of somebody ending up in a hospital if even during elective surgery. Uh, and those beds need to stay open. And, of course, then equipment, too, uh, not just uh, the ventilators, but uh, masks and and uh, everything else right now that is used in the surgical procedures. So I, I suspect that we're going to see more jurisdictions come out with more orders or extending orders uh, today and into the weekend. Um, and where are those hot spots? Dr. Deborah Burke, she was talking about at the press conference last night that we should probably look at, based on the positive test result percentages, uh, she believes Michigan, Connecticut, Indiana, Georgia, Illinois, um, they're testing at about 15% positive, and it's on the rise. And uh, Colorado and Massachusetts, uh, Rhode Island, testing at about 13%. By the way, in New Jersey and New York, the test positive rate is about 35%. So look for those other states to be on the rise and those to be the next hotspots. Here is your forecast. A very elongated frontal boundary from Canada to Texas will provide showers for areas from Minnesota down through Iowa, Missouri, the Arklatex, and some potential severe weather for south-central Texas today. As an area of low pressure in that region rides along that frontal boundary, and it's a very slow-moving system, so we will pick up copious amounts of rain and potential thunderstorms and high winds from Missouri to Texas. The snowmaker that's been plaguing the west for several days, beginning to wind down, but that won't be till later today, so look for periods of potential mixed precip for I-90 in South Dakota and I-80 in Nebraska in the overnight hours. That system again shifting eastward throughout the day. The desert southwest is clear, California dry today. Rain will be ending for Boston and New York City. It's clear in the Midwest and Deep South. Your national forecast from Red Eye Radio, I'm meteorologist John Trout.
What world are we living in? Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. I'm Eric Harley. Gary McNamara is off. He is back with us soon. 866-90-RED-EYE if you want to get in. 866-907-3339. We greatly appreciate your calls. uh, And lots of people, in fact, uh, who are uh, sharing their condolences um, for Gary with us this morning on social media uh, by email. And uh, otherwise, we greatly appreciate that. We've had uh, plenty of callers uh, expressing their condolences as well. And uh, for those that don't know, if you're just tuning in, uh, Gary lost his mom yesterday. She passed away yesterday morning. Uh, She had been in the hospital with an illness not related to COVID-19, but for a number of days. And then um, uh, the the, the family learned that the prognosis uh, was very grim. And so they have been dealing with that. And yesterday morning, uh, she passed. And uh, spoke with Gary yesterday. Um, I do know that he's doing okay. Obviously, the saddest moment of his life. I could probably say that safely. And he is dealing with that this morning. And uh, I told him, you come back when you're ready. And we'll be here for you. Uh, We've been partners for 15 years on this show, nearly. And we are family as well. And we, uh, again... I know that I can say this for our audience and everybody who tunes in every night that your thoughts and your prayers are with him, his father, John, and their family as they mourn the loss of his mother. And um, we have been, of course, this morning focused on the story of, uh, you know, that's affecting just about um, everything in our lives right now. And that's COVID-19. We're going to get back to that here in just a few minutes as we have plenty of more audio to, to play for you. But also this morning, throughout the morning, we've been um, we've been hearing from some sponsors, longtime sponsors of this program, who are in supportive roles of the trucking industry, uh, trucking companies like Mercer Transportation, who are out there hauling freight right now, like many companies, like all trucking companies are doing right now, and they're right now keeping. They are the bloodline of America. They always have been. They're the bloodline of the, the, the backbone of the economy. If, if you bought it, a, a trucker brought it. That's the way it is. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but it, depending on the size of the house, it takes an average of anywhere between seven and ten truckloads of materials to build a single-family home. That's on the average. Now, if you get into Bill Gates' territory, it's like 30 or 40 trucks. But... It's amazing to watch the infrastructure uh, and and the supply chain of America. It's always interesting in a normal time to watch it. If you know anything about logistics, and I have family members that are involved, family members in trucking, it is a, a pretty great system that we have. But right now, it's being taxed a bit. I, I don't mean government taxes. I mean, it's being strained by, of course, the demand. All of us going to the store, getting what we need. But there is this kind of awakening coming from a lot of people who maybe didn't pay attention to the vital role of the trucking industry in our economy, in our lives. It's not just the things we want. It's the things we need. Pharmaceuticals. My dad delivered pharmaceuticals after his military career and did that for a number of years. He had a regional route. He got home every night, but he was proud of that job. And imagine if... It's one thing to go to the store. 
and not find toilet paper. But imagine showing up to your pharmacy and them saying, we're not going to have your life-saving medication for a number of days. That's trucking. And over the years, we have had a very strong relationship with the trucking industry, and we've showed our appreciation. We can do, Gary and I can do what we do every night because of our great sponsors. But you should know that, that our sponsors are out there in that supportive role, bringing truck drivers the things they need to keep their equipment going, to survive on the road. The folks at truck stops are staying open 24-7. They're providing food, showers, fuel, a place to sleep, a parking lot in which the driver can get back in the, in the sleep, sleeper berth and, and, and get some rest. And it is a, again, I think it's, it's great when we see this appreciation come about. I hope that lasts. I hope we're beyond this crisis soon. But I hope when we get beyond it, that appreciation remains for America's truck drivers. Let's face it, they're not getting rich. They're not. And we thank all of our sponsors for being here. And this morning we've heard from some of them, and uh, including Pilot Flying J, as we broadcast from the Pilot Flying J studio. Uh, they are up and running. Their stores are open. Their locations are open. They have fuel. They have food. They have showers. Uh, we heard from Mercer Transportation, a driver whose son did something extraordinary. There was a driver that's leased on to Mercer Transportation, and that driver was on a run, and he couldn't find food. This was early on, by the way, uh, very early on in, in a couple a few weeks ago. Uh, in this, and he w- he w- wasn't able to find food, and he shared that in- that information with his wife, and his son overheard it. His son took his allowance, and uh, and also a an advance on that allowance, which totaled a hundred bucks. Went st- went to Sam's Club, and made some snack packs, some fruit, some crackers, some chips for truck drivers. Went out to a rest area, and handed them out because he didn't want drivers to go hungry. Thirteen years, thirteen years old. By the way, I don't have a hundred bucks. <laughs> uh, good for that young man, Logan, who did that, and he is being rewarded. I know with with uh, that that satisfaction of knowing that he helped other drivers, uh, many of them just like his father. Um, but uh, again, these these stories of, of recognition and support for an industry right now that is just as vital as any industry in our country. Let's hear from Erica House with House Products. They have a new initiative that's going to recognize people in a big and permanent way. And first, we have to start out with congratulating House as this year they celebrate 100 years in business, a century in businesses, in business. And that's incredible. And I start with telling Erica, wow, you guys must be proud. Yes, of course. We're extremely proud right now. We have pride in the family. It's a family-owned and operated business. We have pride in the legacy and, and even in the products, of course. Yeah. But what we're truly proud of is, is really the industry itself and the people in it. And especially with everything going on in the world right now, you can really see why. It's a critical industry, and it's made up of real heroes that get behind the wheel every day. You guys, of course, are there in support of the trucking industry and the farming community as well. You think about those two industries, they really do go hand in hand. And right now... Uh, they're at the core of getting America everything that, that we need during this time. Tell me a little bit about 
what this year means to you and the House family. Sure. I mean, as we've mentioned, it's uh, our 100th year in business, so we see that as a massive accomplishment. I, I don't think anyone wouldn't. But what the year really means to us is, is just the chance to recognize all of those who help us, helped us to get to where we are today, those customers and the hardworking people who propelled us to this milestone anniversary. You know, we're excited to spend the year highlighting their accomplishments first and foremost and showing our deep appreciation for them. And one of the ways we're doing that is by opening the House Hall of Fame. I heard a little bit about this. Someone here in the Red Eye Radio office mentioned this to me. What is the House Hall of Fame? Well, the House Hall of Fame is a platform we've designed to recognize all of those who've had such a great influence on the industry, both in trucking and farming. You know, it blossomed out of a deep desire to further connect with the industry and all the people in it and in them. <laughs> um, you know, the hall lives virtually online, so it's actually safe to visit anytime. Wow. You're right. <laughs> you know, a little bit of a concern right now, but yeah. you can all gather there at one right. time. It's great. Right. Plenty of social distancing and you get to ex- you get to see it and experience it. Exactly. Once there, you can learn all about the house history and, and above all, about our incredible inductees. So the hall will grow continuously over time as we add new inductees and new information, more exciting features. So it's a place you'll really want to visit often to see what's new, what's changed, and, you know, what fun experiences. Tell me about the purpose, the mission. Why did you guys do this? Well, you know, it's been such an honor to be part of of these industries and the trucking and the agricultural industries. So what we wanted to do was find a way to honor all of those who helped shape those industries. We wanted to be able to share, you know, their amazing stories and, and have those stories inspire everyone the way they've inspired us. Tell us, how does this work? How does the Hall of Fame work? Well, as it grows, the Hall of Fame is going to gain more and more inductees each year. So soon, those inductees will be sourced via nominations from from actual people in in the industries. Mm. So Hall of Fame isn't just about what we think. It's really about everyone and everything that's made a difference in the lives of truckers and farmers across the nation. Now, who are the inductees in the first class? Well, Eric, I can't tell you that. Oh, classified. It's classified. (laughs) It's under lock and key. It's buried it's deep underground. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> what right. I can tell you is that we'll be unveiling um, this year's inductees over the course of the next three months. And okay. the first one's going to be revealed on April 6th. Where do they go to log on on Monday, April 6th? www.houseproducts.com backslash H-O-F, standing for Hall of Fame. Houseproducts.com slash H-O-F. What are the attendees going to get for being a part of the House Hall of Fame? Well, the inductees have been really honored to be a part of the program. We've provided each of them with tokens of our appreciation, including things like uh, limited-run commemorative items, such as belt buckles, some apparel, and and even an induction trophy. But perhaps, and, and hopefully really, the most rewarding is the fact that they will be forever enshrined in this place that we see living on for many generations to come. Wow. And we do know that we can last for many generations, so that's yeah. a bonus. How many classes are going to be inducted? Is it going to be once a month? How often are you guys going to be inducting folks into the Hall of Fame? We're looking to do um, a full induction one to two times per year. Okay. Um, the number of inductees per year is, right. has yet to be determined. It yeah. kind of depends on on the nominations that we get. Okay. But what's exciting is anybody could end up in the Hall of Fame. This is a, a great initiative. The Hall of Fame can't wait. Again, Monday, April 6th, log on to houseproducts.com slash H-O-F. What else are you guys doing? What do you have in store for your 100th year? Well, that's more top secret information, Eric. Really? So 
we'll re- be revealing more of our top secret plans as the year progresses. But I'll tell you what, you're not going to want to miss it. Houseproducts.com slash H-O-F. Make sure you log on Monday, April 6th and check it out. The first class will be inducted on Monday, April 6th. Thank you so much. Thank you for your support over the years. Erica Howes with House Products. Again, recognizing the hard work of America's truck drivers and farmers. If you think about it, the bloodline right now, getting us everything that we need uh, to our stores, to our pharmacies. And uh, it's just just amazing to watch. By the way, got a great, great email from Jeff just a little while ago. I'm a federal police officer, Jeff writes, working with the VA in Connecticut while driving to work. I see many tractor trailers delivering products. Talk about unsung heroes. These guys and gals drive from hotspot to hotspot. They are a direct representation of our strong economy in the USA. I pray for all truckers that they are healthy and safe. I thank them for their sacrifice to keep America rolling. Jeff, thank you for your email. We greatly appreciate that. 866-90-RED-EYE. There's a new Shell Rotella engine oil for gas engines. Shell Rotella gas truck is available now. Megan Pino, Shell Rotella global brand manager, tells us what was behind the development and more about the product. Obviously, Shell Rotella's heritage is heavy-duty engine oil, and that sure. will remain our heritage. And we know that our customers work hard, but they also love to play hard. And many of our customers also own a gasoline-powered pickup truck SUV, and perhaps as a personal vehicle or as part of the business. We also know that truck owners use their trucks for different purposes than a car to be able to tow something, whether that's a, an RV or a boat for fun on the weekend, for you know your business, for hauling equipment. So you're doing something different with your truck than you are with a car. And so why use the same motor oil that you would in your car as your truck? There are three viscosity grades, 0W20, 5W20, and 5W30, which covers any gasoline-powered pickup truck or SUV in terms of the manufacturer recommendation. For more, go to Rotella.com. This engine report is a service of Shell Rotella. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Merrick Harley. Gary, back, Gary McNamara is back with us soon. And uh, we will, of course, uh, be keeping our eye on everything over the weekend in terms of the coronavirus. The president, by the way, was tested again, he announced yesterday. It took it. It took me literally a minute to take it. And it took me, I guess it was 14 or 15 minutes. I went to work. I didn't wait for it. But he said it took 14 minutes or something to come up with a conclusion. And it said the president tested negative for COVID-19. All right. There is his second test, and I'm I'm guessing they'll test him on a regular basis. By the way, also people asking when to expect their money in their accounts. Here's Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. Within two weeks, the first payments will be direct deposit into taxpayers' account. And as the president said last night, the president authorized me to say that anybody that has Social Security recipients won't need to file a new tax return. All right, so there you go. Uh, That's Secretary Mnuchin. Expect that money to hit your accounts within a couple of weeks. Have a good weekend. This is Red Eye Radio.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One.